contrary to popular belief, professionalism is not dead on football and other F-words. Welcome in. It's Football and Other F-Words. I'm your host, Michael Gillum. I am joined by Michael Herndon and, yes, Zach Lyons. He went out into the Gulf. He looked for fish. He found fish, and he actually survived. So he's back with us. Uh, Zebo, welcome back in. Welcome, welcome. I am the Alpha and Omega of this podcast. It has been declared, and I own all your Twitter handles. Uh-oh. <laughs> what? You just own them? What? I, don't I just know. own them. I've, I've copyrighted them. It's over. Yeah, I I expect them. I expect all passwords by the time by the end of business today. Are you the Alpha and Omega? I am the Alpha and Omega. I am the destroyer of worlds and the ultimate end. Do we get paid for any of this? You do not. (laughs) Oh dear. Um, This uh, fishing trip has really messed with his head. Well, when you wrangle a 168-pound fish at five in the morning through six in the morning and get it up on the boat by yourself. Hey, I cried a little. I'm man enough to admit it. I cried just a tad bit because it was an emotional experience because there were times, I, I don't know how many times you guys have been deep sea fishing or watch like uh, wild, exactly zero. wild tuna or whatever, but you know, you, you catch it and then you let it reel. Like you let it go and cat, you know, the line goes out, right? So then you, it's out even further than where you initially caught it. And then you have to reel it in. And then you sometimes it keeps on running. There's a point like 45 minutes into it. I'm just like, man, I just really hope this motherfucker gets off the line. I am (laughs) tired. I am dead tired. And I'm in this chair. You're strapped in. So nobody can come and help you real. It's it's you. All they can do is move the chair. And that's it. And listen, I was up until one. And I was from one in the morning to six in the morning. And I caught all the fish on this fucking trip. Wow. All of them. (laughs) i was dead tired after like day two (laughs) it was so what do you do with the fish did you cut it up and bring it home or so well we were on the water for two more nights um so we had to put it the fish on ice of course the boat has an ice maker or whatever and has storage and stuff but we put it in a bag and then uh it's filleted and dad is still down there with one of his friends so he brings it back thursday in a cooler filled with like dry ice, a Yeti. And then uh, I'll have tuna for probably like five weeks. Five weeks <laughs> worth of tuna. That's Very fantastic. Nice. Yeah. Why didn't Isaiah Wilson catch any fish? Uh, he caught something, but it probably was a fish. <laughs> so you can't yeah. confirm he was on this fishing trip with you. Yeah, uh, I can't, I can't, I can't not say that he wasn't down in Grand Isle, Louisiana, but I can't, can't say he was with us. Wow. Do you, well, tr- you see how Mike tricked you into talking about Isaiah Wilson? I knew. I knew it was, <laughs> it was crafty. But it wasn't about football. It's more about, like, I was alluding to that he probably have we, caught, like, STDs or something. Have we Miami. ever have we ever talked about Isaiah Wilson in football? <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I don't think yeah, I, he has not talked about Isaiah Wilson himself in football since he uh, was drafted. Um Speaking of draft, we're in that lovely time of year. We're a few weeks out from the NFL draft, uh, and it's time to talk about the Titans' needs, what positions we think they're going to uh, you know, have to draft, where we think they're going to draft, and what their biggest importance of needs are. 
So let's start there. And, and I'm going to start, I'm going to start with something that we like to joke about on Twitter, but I'm going to ask this seriously. So you can both shame me. Why is it a bad idea for the Titans to draft a tackle in the first round? I mean, it's technically not a bad idea, but I don't think it's the idea that they have in mind. In my opinion, I think that after the Isaiah Wilson thing and seeing what they could get out of Dennis Kelly, who I believe is still unemployed, by the way, the vaunted Dennis Kelly, who everybody was upset that is gone, is still out in the market. Um, I think they they have a lot of faith in Mike Keith and that Mike Keith can... Um, Mike Keith? Oh, sorry. Keith Carter. I did that earlier this week talking about <laughs> Keith really Carter. really been on that first too off, long. First off, I have a lot of faith in Mike Keith for they sure. They do have a lot I, of faith just, in Mike Keith. I just didn't know how it applied to the right tackle situation. Well, he just got that promotion. We really don't know. Uh, <laughs> well, that's true. He could be VP of right tackles <laughs> yeah. too. So um, the I think they have a lot of uh, faith in Keith Carter and what he can get out of it, hence why they let Kelly go. They got Kendall Lamb. They saw what they could get out of Ty Sembrello and uh, David Questenberry when called upon. I think they feel like Keith Carter is an offensive line whisperer and can get what he can, and I don't think that necessarily that you know, an offensive tackle is a high priority. So it's not technically a bad idea for, for the team. It's a bad idea for us as fans and who want to talk about the first day of the draft about a exciting player because, face it, offensive linemen are so fucking boring to talk about. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, Tevin Jenkins is kind of fun to talk about. No, he's not. That fucking Snatching nerd. souls. He looks Snatching like me. souls out there. He looks like me on his he little, looks like, little picture. He, he, he looks like you with like an additional 100 pounds of muscle and like seven inches of height. I mean, that's nothing big. I mean, it's basically <laughs> you with glasses. Hey, we got Me a lot of glasses. Mileage. We got a lot of mileage out of Isaiah Wilson. I'm sorry. So uh, let's. Uh, let, so did let's, the Miami okay. police. Set, <laughs> set, set tackle aside. Um, Zach. What, where do the Titans need to go first? First round, the first round is yours as the GM. Where are you going at 22? I mean, it obviously depends on who's out there. I mean, I wouldn't be against an edge player, and I'm slowly talking myself into someone that I really didn't really like at the beginning of the year. But, you know, at 22, that's not – Yeah, I know you need impact and stuff – you know, I kind of, you know, Jalen Phillips is there, Aziz Ojolari, Quiddy Pay. You know, I know he's not an edge. Zayvon Collins. I mean, I could see them going defense still. But, I mean, if there's, you know, obviously if Devontae Smith falls or someone like that, something crazy happens. But if it not, Elijah Moore is very popular. I know a lot of people are high on him. But I like Terrace Marshall. I am I'm a big fan of Terrace Marshall and what he can bring to this team. And I think they could do a lot of different stuff. I know that he, you know, him and Josh Reynolds probably have a lot of the same crossover as far as positional value, but you know, you could just move people around and that's the whole thing that they want to do. They want to be multiple also on offense, be able to move pieces around, you know, I think wide receiver is the biggest in my opinion, wide receiver is the biggest glaring hole that they have and um, and how they view this. And I think that's where they need to go. Yeah, and, and let me say this about the um, Joshua Jones thing. While I, while I do believe that's true, I also don't believe under any circumstances 
there is no scenario where you should allow Josh Reynolds to influence your drafting behavior, right? Like Josh Reynolds, I think is going to be a pretty good starter for them. I think he's going to be uh, able to contribute um, as a pass catcher and be per- perfectly fine in that role that, that they're going to give him. But he's on a one-year contract in the draft. While you're definitely in the first round, at least trying to to find somebody who can come in and play right away. Like you're not going to draft a a running back in the first round, obviously. So like there is some uh, element of of looking at holes in this year's roster to to plug. Really, the draft is the most important part of the draft. Is what happens in 2022, 2023, 2024. Like yes, go get somebody in the first round. Hopefully, that can help right away. But do not do anything so short-sighted that you're just looking at what he can do this season and not looking at what he can do in years two through four and five of his rookie contract. Cause those are ideally and, and usually when the guy's being the most productive. So, so go find somebody who fits your roster plan from a five-year standpoint, not just from a one-year standpoint. I think a lot of times we lose sight of, what is the what the what can this guy do for me right now in 2021 period that's all i want to know um and that that can't be how you look at it as a gm you've got to look at it over a five year window who who fills the roster who gives you the best player in 2022 through 2024 and who gives you best flexibility for future contract negotiations i mean harold landry's coming up or sean evans is coming up you know if you don't i mean if you don't want to pay them, you're going to have, you know, you need to be looking at edge and linebacker in this draft. You know, it's a good draft to have both the both things that you can have your cake and eat it too. this draft. You can have the year one starter plus the guy that's going to contribute four or five years down the road. It's it's a perfect draft for the Titans, in my opinion, as far as the the roster building positional needs and what's available out there in the draft. Do you see any chance that the Titans trade up or trade down up in the first or out of the first? I would I'd be think, pretty livid if they traded up. Honestly. Yeah, there's not a player I would trade up for. I mean, not even Devontae Smith or anything, because the, the difference between a Devontae Smith and an Elijah Moore and Terrace Marshall is not worth the draft capital you'd have to spend to trade up. Um Kyle Pitts, I'm not trading up for Kyle Pitts. Obviously, you'd have to you'd trade have to up in probably like the, the top five. Yeah. <laughs> and that's too much to give up for Kyle Pitts. I mean, I know everybody's so excited about Kyle Pitts, but how many players have we seen people be so excited about in the top 10 that just flame out? Like, I'm not saying that Kyle I mean, Pitts will, but like, that is the kind of guy that definitely, he definitely could. I mean, you never, I mean, you never know what can happen on any of these players. I mean, there's over 200 players you have to choose from in a draft, but you don't trade up for, I don't, I don't think Kyle Pitts is as generational as everybody makes him out to be. So I personally would not trade up for him in the top five and, and then just create a massive hole. I mean, sure. He may fill your tight end need, but he's probably fills your wide receiver need more. And is that really what you need to trade up for? I just, I wouldn't trade up for J.C. Horn. I just wouldn't trade up for anybody. And I think a trade down scenario is possible, but I don't think I don't think it's likely in this deep of a draft. I think it's going to be really hard to trade down in a deep draft like this. 
Yeah, I think it depends on what's there. Um, you know, obviously, if somebody's sitting there, and we see trade trade downs. Like last year, we saw some trade downs last year um, in that back half of the the first round. There always seems to be, you know, somebody willing to come up and get somebody. I think last year the Steelers traded up for um, God, who was that? I can't even remember now. Um, anyways, I'm pretty sure the Steelers traded up last year. Uh, I think the Ravens might have uh, traded uh, in the back half of the first round last year uh, for Patrick Queen. Um, there's definitely some movement that that can be possible, but it depends. Like, I mean, if all you're getting is a a third round or or not not even a third round, if all you're getting is like a fourth or fifth round pick offer to move back from 22 to 26 or whatever, like that's probably not worth it at that point because those those are guys that maybe make the roster hopefully make the roster if it's a fourth round guy but it's not a guy that's probably a a significant contributor and if you can just get the guy that you want at 22 and not risk it that's probably for the best but yeah I I would love to trade back if they could Um, trading up history is not kind to teams who trade up for non-quarterbacks you know obviously trading up for a quarterback is a totally different deal but Trading up for, you know, a position player generally doesn't work out. I mean, the Titans traded up for Sean Evans, and how, how's that working out for him right now? I mean, they gave up, what, a fourth, I think a fourth-round pick uh, to go up and get Evans, and I'm sure they would probably love to have that fourth-round pick back, uh, even if that meant that they ended up with, uh, you know, a different player than Rashawn Evans. The last so, trade-up that would have worked would have been Julio Jones, right? Well, yeah, Julio is obviously the example everyone points to. Is like, look, that's look, so look long ago. It's so – it's for – yeah, it's like 10 years ago. And and he only know, has it, two touchdowns his whole career. The first season, his rookie <laughs> season, never scored a touchdown. Alan Hearns, uh, yeah. expensive Alan Hearns, um, ladies and gentlemen. But, yeah, I mean, the, the guy ending up being Julio Jones is so incredibly rare. Like, most of the time you end up with – a guy that just isn't worth what you gave up to get him. Um, the draft is such a crapshoot. We know this over a long enough period of time. Like every team is basically average at picking uh, great players. So yeah, I, I, I think trading up would be a terrible idea. And, and let me say this. If you have to go back 10 fucking years to make a, to find a player to make your point, then your point is invalid. Like <laughs> exactly. I am so, I'm, I'm so sick. The Julian Edelman debate has got me all, you know, in a kerfuffle, but the whole idea that you go back 10 years and say, well, worked for worked with Julio Jones was traded up for that was 10 fucking years ago. How many, uh, I mean, that's like once in a lifetime that that's going to happen. Bring me something recent. Bring me a non-quarterback that people traded up for that is recent that worked out. Don't bring me – let's put a statute of limitations on players and situations you can use. Five years max. Five years statute of limitations. Anything after that, it does not fucking matter. Well, we're definitely going to talk Julie Edelman at the end of this just because I want to hear Zach go wild about it. So let's say we're through the first two rounds of the draft. What two positions do you feel like the Titans have drafted? I'll start with Mike. Which which two positions? They which two positions after? you feel like the Titans have drafted? I, here's here's the problem with this scenario, right? And this is the problem I think that mock drafters probably run into as well is that you can't really account for wild card GMs, right? Because you're always going to get that one GM that just does something stupid, drafts a punter or just whatever, right? So, in your mind, what two positions 
do you feel like the Titans will have and have to fill in one and two? It's so hard because this team does have so many like holes as currently constructed, maybe not necessarily holes in the starting lineup, but holes in depth. Um, And I don't know, I guess I keep coming back to cornerback and wide receiver as the two spots that, if you're going by need, which I don't think they necessarily should or will, um, that you would love to end, get out of the second round with a new cornerback and a new wide receiver on the roster. I, I think those are the spots. Yeah, I mean, it's the easiest two spots to to point at. I, I'll say this, you know, they they can wait on cornerback for a while. Uh, I. I know people are looking at this roster and thinking cornerbacks a need, and it is a need because you know of how contracts are have been done and stuff, and who who those contracts were paid to. Uh, and but you know, I think this team could be looking at you know could be looking at Christian Fulton, Janoris Jenkins, and Kevin Johnson as their one, two, and three, and thinking, well, unless someone really falls to us, that's amazing. You know, they may not take a guy in round one and two. I, yeah. You know, it, it's possible. I, I don't think it's likely, but I think it's possible. Like, I think Caleb Farley would be a good situation. This would be a good situation for Caleb Farley to come into, right? He doesn't have to play right away. We know that um, J.C. Treader uh, has came out and said that they're going to be fucking lazy this offseason and uh, still worry about everything that's uh, going on, even though the players are getting vaccinated and have incentive to get vaccinated. Um, uh, we need to talk about that, too, because yeah. I'm pissed So they're taking the lazy panda approach, which is going to ruin this rookie class's progress, which is fucking ridiculous in my mind. And it's just because a bunch of veterans are fucking lazy. And that's really what it boils down to. Anyway, we'll talk about it later. Um, I, I have to say that, you know, Caleb Farley would be, uh, I know people would probably be a little bit angry, but he's ready to play. He'll be ready by the regular season, right? Yeah. Physically. He will physically be ready with his injury uh, day one. Now, whether he is mentally ready for the NFL game, that's a little bit different, but that's okay because this team paid Kevin Johnson for whatever fucking reason. They have Christian Fulton, and they have Janoris Jenkins, Jackrabbit. Um, so, you know, I don't know what they do, but I think it is, I agree with Mike, I lean towards cornerback and wide receiver. I think offensive line is third round or later, which I think is a good idea. I don't think you have to have... This it's just so such a deep class. I mean, you got it's Robert Hainsey. It's you a got, good tackle class. You got Robert Hainsey. You got um, Spencer Brown. Is that said that is Spencer yeah. Brown, if I recall yeah. correctly? And then you have James Hudson. All guys that are like those day two, round three, or later kind of guys that can do what you need them to do, and they don't have to come in and start right away. We have the Lamb of God, so we don't need them to start <laughs> right away. So I think it's wide receiver, and I wouldn't be surprised if maybe they went tight end defensive tackle in the second round. I don't see either of those in the first round. And I see a little bit of linebacker in there, but I think the first two is cornerback wide receiver. What position do you feel like you you're, you're going to be irritated if you see the Titans draft in the top three rounds? Safety. I just think of that like the top three rounds. I'm like, don't draft safety. 
And I, I think that's the only one that I would be mad at. I, th- I think I could talk myself into a reason for almost every other, maybe running back. That wouldn't make sense. Running back would be the one for me. Yeah. yeah that, quarterback that would be the too. one where it's like, n- no, I'm out on that. Yeah. Quarterback in the first three rounds would be that. Those would be my top three. And obviously kicker punter, but those people don't matter. You should draft them anyway. <laughs> they aren't real humans. Yeah. So let, let me back up to what just had you irritated, Zach. You're talking about veterans will take the lazy way out. What, what are you What are you talking about? So J.C. Trader, uh, the the president that he represents the players' union uh, in the uh, on their behalf. They're right. not doing uh, OTAs and all this stuff. It's all virtual all the way up till training camp, I believe. Um, well, that's what he that, wants, right? Yeah. That's what he wants. And that's what they're demanding or whatever, blah, blah, blah. You know, like, give me a fucking break, you loser. I hate JC Treader. And I ne- he wasn't even on my radar until the CBA negotiations and then this shit. I mean, he wasn't ever on my radar. But JC Treader can go kick rocks. He's fucking lazy. He's bad for the NFLPA, just as bad as uh, Damar Smith is. I think he's a fake. He's one of those fake guys like Damar Smith who acts like he has the players. Um, players' well-being on the forefront, but he doesn't ever really accomplish anything. And sure, he may have limited power and stuff, but this doesn't help anybody. It's time to get back to normal in the NFL, some semblance, and it definitely doesn't help the rookies. And what about the players that need, you know, those OTAs that are new to their teams that need to get, you know, build that camaraderie and get to know the coaches, get to know the playbook? It's everybody complains. The players complained. The coaches complained about virtual meetings and how it doesn't work and how it doesn't help. And here comes JC Treader. Well, that's what we need. We need to do more of those. We is a pandemic going on, guys. Well, the pandemic's been going on for about a year and a half. And coming up on, yeah, a year and a half by the time that will happen. Get vaccinated and get in there and take your precautions like you did all through the season. Get your take your precautions like you did. Follow the NFL rules and get in there. Don't don't use the pandemic to hide your hide your laziness. Yeah, it, it pisses me off too because uh, here's the thing: they're using the COVID thing as an excuse to do something that they have wanted to do for a long time. I think like this is they they seize this opportunity and they're saying, "Look, this is our way to get out of doing OTAs." uh you know for for now on basically and you know every time the collective bargaining agreement comes up the players always want less practice time less less time on the field all this stuff that is a detriment to the quality of the product like i know like the veterans the guys that have been in the league for 10 years like jc treader um don't really need otas that's that i get that like you know the guy who's been you know, Roger Saffold probably doesn't need OTAs to get ready for the season. He's going to be just fine if he rolls into training camp. He'll be in shape because you know he will, and and he'll be ready to go. The guys who need OTAs are the guys who are getting screwed here. The guys that were drafted in 2020 uh, came in, did not get any rookie mini camp, uh, which is time when they get you know hands on. You know, their first time really running through, running through. Get, they get all the reps you know, running through the offense, running through the defense, all that stuff. Uh, They're learning what these coaches expect of them. Uh, They didn't get that last year. Then they didn't get OTAs, which is another time when when coaches can actually focus on developing and spreading reps and and things like that. They didn't get mandatory minicamp last year. They didn't get, you know, and then they got a shortened 
training camp where coaches really were left with no choice but to get the guys ready that they knew were going to play for the season. Like there was no time in training camp for this past year for them to just say, all right, young guy, let's get you some reps in here and see how you do it. No, there wasn't any time for that. It was get the guys who you knew could play and get on the field and get those guys ready as quick as possible. I think I frankly, and not to bring up Isaiah Wilson again, but I think that hurt Isaiah Wilson. I I mean, it hurt the whole rookie class. Not that Isaiah Wilson would have taken advantage of it, um, but they had to get Dennis Kelly ready to play. They, they couldn't worry about Isaiah Wilson at that moment. Um, so now we're going to take that 2020 class that got basically no time. And, and some of these guys got almost no reps. Like Christian Fulton was, you know, he had a hamstring issue in camp, missed some time, and then had a hamstring issue during the season uh, and missed some more time. So he's barely gotten any practice on the field with this team. And now he's not going to see the practice field again until training camp. In that, and then we're going to end up with, you know, you know, guys coming back trying to get on the field, you know, and, and possibly just needing to get ready veterans again. Like I feel like this is veterans trying to make it harder for young guys to develop and take their jobs. Because I mean, frankly, that's that's what happens, right? Like these older guys, they know what they're doing, but there's younger guys coming up that are cheaper, uh, maybe more talented, faster. And as those guys get reps, they push these older guys out of jobs. And I feel like these are older guys trying to protect their own self-interest at the detriment of these young guys coming in. I mean, this 2020 class is totally screwed. And it looks like the 2021 class is on its way to being screwed. So we're going to have two full years of players coming into the league that are basically basically getting no development in their first couple years, you know, when they should be really learning and developing important skills to be able to help these teams. Like I, I I just feel like this is totally unfair to those young guys. And maybe, maybe it needs to be a deal where, Hey, just do young guys. Like it it just do guys five years or less in the league guys on rookie contracts. They have to come to OTAs. Everyone else skip, whatever. I don't care, but develop young players, please. The the league needs it. Well, here's the crazy thing. And you, you guys may not know this. OTAs are voluntary. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> They're, yeah, a team literally cannot say they are not voluntary or a player's failure, failure to participate in an OTA will result in the player's failure to make the club or result the in The Jaguars adverse. tried. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, you can't do it. So J.C. Trader is trying to make something that is voluntary now even less voluntary. like Virtual and, and voluntary. Yeah, virtual and voluntary. And listen to this. Teams may only suggest a two-hour time block for a player to be at the team facility. So you can just say, hey, here's a couple times you can come into the facility. If you if you want to come, you want to come. And each player is only limited to four hours per day. And a player could choose when to go to the facility and when to leave. Like, why are we trying to make OTAs this terrible thing? This isn't mini camp. This isn't training camp or anything. This is OTAs. This is where you get on the field, you do your one-on-ones, your one-hand. That's when you see Corey Davis do like 5,100 one-hand catches. And Trey McBride is a star at OTAs because he's doing stuff (laughs) in shorts. And, you know, it's team drills and stuff. There's no live contact and, you know, no other pads are permitted. It's just your helmet. This is this is the easy shit. Why are we why are veteran players now up in arms about the easy shit? I mean, yeah. just give me a fucking break. Just don't go. If you don't want to go, just don't go. Yeah. Right, that's yeah. 
It, it's total bullshit. I, I'm it's pissed about that. It's bullshit. Because it, it hurts pandemic, the game. Yeah. It, to it, use it the pandemic the as the your excuse to being lazy, in my opinion, to use the pandemic is a slap in the face of everybody that had to work hard through the pandemic and, you know, try to w- work back to normal. It's just really a just slap in the face. I think it's t- total and utter bullshit on J.C. Treader's part. Agreed. Which I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. Is this set in stone or is this, I mean, has this been decided on? He's he's going pretty heavy fisted with it, but we'll see what happens. I, I yeah. don't think it will happen. He's trying to push. He's trying to push the players to not go if it's not virtual, basically. Which, which they don't have to go. Right. So, like, what are you doing? Like, you're, you're like, what are you even fucking doing? I, I hope the league just says whatever. We're doing it in person, and like, if you want to show up, show up. If you don't, don't. That's that's the nature of voluntary OTAs. Yeah. I mean, that's possibly what they're going to end up doing, right? Because I right. saw a story a couple of weeks ago to where the NFL said that their goal is to shoot for 100% attendance, right? In 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 quite a few stadiums. I saw that a lot of SEC schools are aiming for the same thing. And I saw, I believe it was Sunday on 60 Minutes, that 46% of Americans have now received the first dose of the vaccine. I mean, in six to eight weeks, the majority of Americans, if they want it, could already have had the first dose. I agree. Stop using that part as a crutch. I was definitely one of the ones who's, during the pandemic, like, be as safe as possible. Like, you know, be smart about this. But we're a year into this with actual solutions on the table to get rid of this. Don't use OTAs as a crutch to just be lazy. Well, and for the most part, the NFL did a great job considering, you know, the, the amount, the massive amount of players that they have on rosters, they did a pretty good job. I know, I know they had some outbreaks and they had to levy some fines and I know the Titans were one of them, but it's, it, it happens. Right. But I mean, they did a good job managing it and weathering the storm and they have, this doctor on staff on in their corporate offices and stuff, devising plans and all this stuff. There's just no reason for JC Treader to even buck up about something that's fucking voluntary in the first place. Just because you want to be able to sit at home in your basement or man cave and be able to act like you're part of the team, paying attention in a zoom call and, you know, you put it on mute while you're actually probably texting or whatever, or playing uh, among us on your phone. You know, give me a give me a give me a fucking break. You know, like even would you even show up to the virtual? Like, would JC Trader even want to sit in his house when it's he's probably got you know someplace outside of Cleveland? Let's be honest, nobody's gonna have a permanent home in Cleveland, and he's probably got somewhere out on the beach, (laughs) and he's he probably wants to enjoy the sunshine, enjoy time with his family, and he just wants to act like he's gonna be on there. And I bet what happens is is that you're going to see that black screen with the JC initials on it, and then he's not even going to be at the fucking computer. He's going to do it oh, all. My camera's not working. My camera's yeah. not working. Then, yeah, I was going to say, does he's going to do it all this time. Yeah, sorry, gonna, guys. He's going to text his coaches, oh, my microphone's not working. My kid's fucked it up. <laughs> <laughs> my camera and my microphone don't work. He's actually on Reddit. But I'm listening. Um, I'm there. I'm paying attention, yeah. So... <laughs> I'm trying to get back to where we were talking about the draft and I don't even know how to reassert myself here, but is there a spot that you're going to be upset if you see the Titans even draft at all, not even in the top three, I'm talking about you get through the entire draft. If the Titans pick a player in this position, you're going to think that was an absolute waste. 
I'm not going to entirely sit here and say that I would be highly upset, but I also think it depends on the round. But I don't think they need to draft a running back at all. And, and I just don't think they do. And But if they would draft one, if like, I don't know, if some by some miracle, Kenneth Gainwell is there in like the fifth round, that's fucking good value. So like you don't pass up value, obviously, and you take best player available where you can. But running back's probably the, probably the closest. Yeah, and it's quarterback depending on who they draft, like in the sixth or seventh round. If they draft like yeah. Felipe Franks, like give me the give me a break. That's right, a right. That's yeah. That's what I don't want them to do again this year. And and I love Sam Ellinger as a Texas fan, but don't give me Sam Ellinger in the seventh round or something like that. Just take like take the best kicker available instead of taking some quarterback who probably won't make the roster. I mean, let let's just. Let's stop with the dart throw QB thing at the end of the draft. I think if you want to take a quarterback, you pony up and take one in like day two. If you really, if you really feel like you've got a guy that like, let's just say for instance, Davis Mills is a guy that they absolutely love for whatever reason. And think that Davis Mills can eventually become the starter after Tannehill kind of, you know, starts to wear down as he gets older. If you take him in day two, I would complain about it less than if they'll take a Felipe Franks or Sam Ellinger in, on round seven. Like, stop wasting those picks. Like, I mean, those picks are kind of a waste anyways, but just take a great kicker uh, or take, you know, some, some you know, Chris Jackson was a good seventh round pick last year. He at least made the roster and was around and played some snaps for you. That is a win as a seventh round pick. So take a guy like that. Don't give me another, you know, Luke Falk. In such a deep dra- draft, it's just so easy to find probably this year um, a wide receiver that probably, may yeah. be able to make it, may be able to push Cam Batson for his roster spot in the sixth yeah. or the seventh round. Not a fucking quarterback that probably can't even beat out Logan Woodside. Exactly. What teams or GMs out there do we need to watch for silliness or stupidity? I mean, I feel like Dallas every year, Jerry Jones gets a little cute with something, but I know there's other GMs I'm forgetting about. Oh, there's the Seahawks. I mean, right? Didn't they who did they <laughs> trade up for last year that was like John Sullivan or something like that? I mean, they traded up uh, for some linebacker last year. Yeah, it was a linebacker. What was that guy's name? Uh, it was some random dude. Jordan that, Brooks? Yeah, Jordan Brooks. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They always do something a little crazy Rash- and do a lot of They reaches. took Rashad Penny in the yeah. first round the year before that. They've been, they've had a bad run of drafts here lately. I don't know why, but I feel like the Packers are going to do something stupid. I, I don't think they're going to draft a wide receiver in the first round, which is what they absolutely should be doing is drafting a wide receiver in the first round. I think they will do something like crazy, like draft a running back in the first, like Travis Etienne. If he is there, I kind of feel like they go for him and or something, even though they just spent like a second round pick. I don't know. It's just something crazy. I, I think the Raiders are the team that, that I'm it's on my radar right now, as far as just poorly one. managed. Um, I'd have no idea what their plan is this offseason. They just basically got rid of the whole offensive line, uh, paid a dude big money who really they didn't need to, uh, who's barely played uh, this, this undrafted center that they had behind Rodney Hudson um so like i have no clue what mike mayock is doing so i I, and and i thought henry ruggs was overdrafted last year especially taking him over some of the other wide receivers that they picked him over Uh, yeah raiders are a team to watch for silliness they they are my number one 
on my radar for stupid, stupid decision-making right now in the entire NFL. I really, I hope that Green Bay takes someone like on defense or something in the first round because I feel like Aaron Rodgers is going to kick the door open to the war room and we're going to see LaFleur getting choked, <laughs> like held up against the wall. Like, and if the NFL Network has to cut away, oh, that was an interesting it's gonna scene. Be, it's going to be like that uh, a gif of um, Big Bird kicking down the door and he's just standing there at the, <laughs> the, the house. That would be phenomenal. So speaking of memes, one of my favorite ones from yesterday about Julian Edelman was Patriot. It said, this is the Patriots fans in a nutshell. And it's the guy sweating, trying to choose between which two buttons he wants to push. One button is labeled Tom. You ran off Tom Brady because he didn't have weapons. And the other button is Julian Edelman's Hall of Famer. (laughs) (laughs) So let me put it out there. Yeah. Is Julian Edelman a Hall of Famer? Hell no. Fuck no. I mean, there's no way. I mean, if if he's getting in, and I'll say it, if he's getting in, it's because he's white. I mean, that's I mean, let's just call it like it is. He's a white wide receiver, and people want to get him in because give me a fucking break. The guy doesn't even have ten thousand yards, sixty eight hundred yards. Adam Rank had the gall to compare him. At, he said, "If you don't think that it, Julian, Ed, of course it's Adam Rank, by the way, Julian Edelman." If you don't think he's a Hall of Famer, use player comps like blah, 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 and Michael Irving. How is Michael Irving even a player comp to Julian Edelman? Michael Irving has multiple thousand-yard wide receiver seasons. Julian Edelman has never, never even placed in the top 10 of wide receiver um, yards in the top 10 in any season. And let me say something. This this idea that oh he's so valuable blah blah blah. Tom Brady has won games with the worst wide receivers ever, like t- people like Deion Branch and David Boston and all this stuff. Julian and he's won games without Julian Edelman in since Julian Edelman's been on the team. Julian Edelman does not matter to this team. Sure, when he's there, Tom Brady's going to feed him about thirteen targets, even when he shouldn't be getting them. But listen. If, if Julian Edelman should get in, fucking put in James White. I mean, at this point, because I mean, like, they're the same guy, in my opinion. Like, they're just a guy that is a security blanket for Tom Brady. It, but it doesn't mean that they're good. It just means that they have those volume targets and catches. Yeah. Let me put it this way Derek Mason, who I do not believe belongs anywhere near the Hall of Fame, uh, had almost equal numbers to Julian Edelman's career stats at both Tennessee and Baltimore in his career. He had uh, 6,000 yards, uh, over 6,000 yards in 37 touchdowns with the Titans. And uh, (laughs) Edelman had 6,836 touchdowns. And then in Baltimore, Mason had 5,777 yards and 29 touchdowns. I I mean – he basically did Edelman's career twice with two different teams. The, the only thing is, you know, obviously Edelman gets credit for like the, the Super Bowl performance and when he won the Super Bowl MVP and, and the playoff stats and all that stuff. Well, guess what? That comes with playing for the Patriots and playing for Tom Brady. Are we just going to put all of the Patriots who ever played with Tom Brady in the, in the Hall of Fame because they all have pretty good playoff stats because they're all in the playoffs for – you know, more games than most people play in their entire career. Like, no, give me a break with all this stuff. Julian Edelman is not a Hall of Famer. 
very good player. It's it's perfectly fine for players to be very good and not a Hall of Famer, right? Like, let, let's let's not be like uh, I think basketball is is bad about like they just put in anybody who's good goes in the Hall of Fame. Like anybody who is who is a good player on a team goes in the Hall of Fame. Edelman hasn't been a top ten receiver. Um, he certainly hasn't been a top five receiver at any point in his career. He's not as good as Wes Welker. Um, he's just not a Hall of Famer. He's he's a guy who played with some great teammates and was a good player and deserves to be respected and adored by Pat- Patriots fans. But that doesn't mean you have to go visit his bus in Canton. Like that's 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 the deal. And like, give me this break that he revolutionized the slot position. Wes Welker, Brandon Stokely, I can name a myriad of other white wide receivers that did a that did what Julian Edelman did way before Julian Edelman. Yes, and if, Welker I mean, give me a did, fucking break. Welker did the exact job that Julian Edelman did better than Edelman for like eight years before Edelman came in the league. Like these takes are absolutely outrageous and idiotic in the worst, worst examples of recency bias. It, it, it is absolutely painful for me to be on Twitter when something like Julian Edelman retiring and then you see these takes come out and it's just awful like do these people not understand what they're saying or like have they not looked back and like understood anything about football over the last 20 years like I I just don't get it like it, it makes me want to strangle people I think someone like Adam Rank knows precisely what they're doing. We've yeah. seen so many bad takes out of, out of Adam Rank. I, I think he knows exactly what he's doing. But I agree with you that I, I don't feel like a, I think a lot of recency bias does come into things like fans clamoring for someone like Julian Edelman to go into the Hall of Fame. And, and going back to, unfortunately, Adam Rank, what started this was his tweet saying that, yes, I would put Julian Edelman in the Hall of Fame because the postseason matters. I, I, I think that's crap. I, I mean, it, just because the player won a or multiple Super Bowl rings but didn't put up the stats in the regular season to qualify for the Hall of Fame does not automatically put them in the Hall of Fame. And, and you know, someone further down in the, in the chain, which I really like, said – Heinz Ward is not in the Hall of Fame. That's the end of the discussion for Julian Edelman. And he's been trying to get in for like five years or something, and he's just yeah. not getting in. And, you know, to me, Heinz Ward is the better player, obviously. I mean, a better the better all-around wide receiver. But is he Hall of Fame worthy compared to other players that are going to be coming up here soon and all this stuff? No, there's a limited amount of time. Julian Edelman, maybe when football has gone away and – they just keep doing the hall of fame voting for whatever reason in like 20, let's say 21, 300,000 AD. That's probably when he'll get in. And that's when he deserves to get in because they've ran out of fucking players to put into the hall of fame. Like give me a break about Julian Edelman being in the hall of fame. There is no reason for it. There's literally nothing you could say that's going to change my mind or that makes sense in an argument. We've seen Tom Brady win playoff games without Julian Edelman even being a factor. It does not make sense on why you want to go through and say, oh, because he had this amazing catch. You remember that catch he had where he caught it over two players or the two Atlanta Falcons? Like, give me a break. Listen, if you're going to put Edelman in the Hall of Fame, you got to put LeGarrette Blunt in too. Yeah. Because he he's he's had great playoff runs too with the Patriots and and with the Eagles, you know he's he's got three Super Bowl rings. 
the play, the postseason matters. Legarrette Blunt for the Hall of Fame. That's my my platform for twenty twenty one. I mean, Matt Castle's got a jewelry box full of shit. Does he go in the, in the in the Hall of Fame? Postseason Do you not think that scout team matters? That playoff scout team matters? Come on. Listen, in those nineteen playoff games that he played in, he averaged seventy five yards per game and less than, and he only had five receiving touchdowns. And out of 19 games, I mean, that's like, that's like a slightly better than Julio Jones in a season. (laughs) Julio Jones shit talk today. I'm really proud of that. Which is surprising because I'm an Alabama fan, right? But because fantasy football has just soured me on Julio Jones. He is that uh, Julio Jones is, um, oh my gosh, AJ, who is it? AJ um, out of um, Cincinnati, who just for the last... Yeah, AJ Green. The last few years, like you know the name, and you're like, yeah, God, that wide receiver is going to kill it for me in fantasy football. No, he's just going to kill you in fantasy football. He's not going to produce. Um, so this podcast originally set out to be a lot of draft talk, and we got pretty distracted. So I would apologize, but you know what? I'm not going to apologize. It's the off season, and I don't really give a shit. <laughs> it's our podcast, so we got distracted. But um, we are going to be talking draft over the next couple of weeks for sure. Next week, we're definitely going to dive into some more players in depth. Obviously, as we get closer to the draft about who we feel like the Titans need to be taking and need to be targeting. I'm um, also going to get into Sony Michelle's Hall of Fame candidacy next week. I, yes. <laughs> Thank God. Um, so yeah, if you're just tuning in, Julian Edelman, no, he's not getting in the hall of fame. Not, not based on our recommendation. It's not happening. Um, all right, that's going to do it for us today. We appreciate you tuning in as always. We are football and other F words. Of course, you can find us at broadwaysportsmedia.com. Come check us out. Grab yourself a premium membership for Michael Herndon, Zach Lyons, myself, Michael Gillum. You've just been effed. A Broadway sports media production.